<laughs> we missed each other so much. It's been a while. <laughs> I know. Man, it's been too long. I don't even know how long it's been. It's been so long. I... I, I feel like there's one extra person, but I can't even remember. How many of us case. were here before? <laughs> it's, oh, boy. I've lost track. Of, I don't even know who any of you are right now. <laughs> Maybe we should do introductions. Welcome to the Trade Waiters. We should introduce ourselves again because we have all forgotten who each other are. It's been too long. Uh, let's start with our special guest. Hi, I'm Sveyar Monster, and I'm the special guest today. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't good? <laughs> that was good enough. That's as good as any of us are going to do. Uh, I'm Jonathan Dalton, and I am not a special guest. I'm Kathleen Gross, and also not a special guest, but still pretty special, just in general. <laughs> All right, and I'm Jeff Ellis, also not a special guest. Um, I make comics. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm Angela Mellick. I am perpetually a special guest. Oh. <laughs> special guest on every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Angela, by the way. We missed you in the hey, last two episodes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'm glad it was Oh, <laughs> I heard you had a great substitute. Well, it, we had a great book, too. We That's had a great true. substitute, great book, but... I read all of half of that book. Okay. You and should... It was uh, great. And I went to the Miyazaki it. Museum, so that's got to count for, like, Ooh, partial credit. Keener. I know. Yeah. Okay, well, let's start with a character-revealing question, and then we'll talk about this episode, because this episode is going to be a little different from other episodes of The Trade Waiters. I just need to ask up front, did you teach Spey when you were doing your practicum? No. Okay. I have never taught Spay as a child. Okay. <laughs> Although I did listen to that episode, and I yeah. do have a bone to pick with you, because oh. in the previous episode, you were like, any other guests we ever have will never be as good as this guest that we oh, have on today. That's not what so, I said. No, you all definitely were all there, and you all said it. I heard it, like... 45 minutes ago. Well, bone to pick. <laughs> bone to pick. <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> oh. I can't believe on the vape of radio you're describing. <laughs> you're throwing me into the bus like this. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I think our um, character revealing question this week is going to be um, on point for our guest. Uh, the question is going to be, who are you in Undertale? What Undertale character are you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I know right away. So, uh, Napstablook. I am 100% Napstablook, and I'm not going to talk to you at all for the rest of the episode, so that's fine. Just, just lay on the ground and, and listen to some spook tunes. Spook tunes. <laughs> spook wave. <laughs> uh, okay, Jeff. Ooh, um... I'm such a jerk because I never finished Undertale. <laughs> Neither did I, but that was because of time, not interest. I, I, I feel like I relate most to the main character you play because I haven't <laughs> finished the game. <laughs> You're probably like Aaron. Aaron? <laughs> oh. No. 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 Now I'll no, have I don't to play so. this out to find out oh, what you Aaron's mean by that. Oh, Aaron's my favorite character. <laughs> But Nathan not is Aaron. Oh, we've well, decided. Okay. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. <laughs> no. No. Okay. 
Um, I don't know. I was going to go with maybe Grillby for no. Jeff. No. No? Oh, wait, for Jeff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I, I see. Or like, you guys possibly can just papyrus. Do you know? I no, papyrus. I like. I okay. like papyrus. I think there he's you go. Good character. Let's go with papyrus. Ew, ew! You ruined my answer. You guys suck. <laughs> that's, a Although, very, that's a very like, papyrus thing to say, Kathleen. <laughs> to Kathleen's credit, we did agree that she was papyrus, like literally almost a month ago. Now. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. True. You have you have the, like the you've been papyrus for a month now. Yeah. So you can fight over it <laughs> again, like. I'm so embarrassed that I haven't finished this game yet, so I just, I'll take what I can get, guys. Okay, well, I, I recently came to the realization that I'm Toriel, yeah. and I've had to make peace with that. <laughs> How is that something that you have to make peace with? I don't like know. Toriel yeah. is like the most... It's like a big compliment. I was hoping to like maybe be Papyrus, but no, I'm not Papyrus, I'm Toriel. <laughs> I, I'm the kind of person who would make butterscotch pie for people, oh, if I knew how to make butterscotch you're like pie. caring and you take care. Yeah, That's I nice. would... And live by myself you in know, the wasteland. You could make us a butterscotch pie. Like, we would not stop like that. That's right. We're in Did you guys have butterscotch pie at TCAP? <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about it. Okay. <laughs> okay, Spay. We, we all know what, what character you are. Okay, see, I wouldn't have called myself Sans, except really? back like a million years ago when I was like, I'm never going to play Undertale because games are overrated <laughs> and I don't like anything. Everyone is like, you've got to play this game because Sans is literally you. And so then I went in being like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to like it. And then it's just kind of continued to roll forward. And I was like shrugging around Van Calf and you said, get back to your table, Sans. And I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> so I'm like freaking hey, don't, around. Don't pin like, this hey. all on me. <laughs> <laughs> It's a compliment. It's okay. A nice thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, this episode is going to be a little bit different than other episodes. What we're going to do? This is going to be our calf episode. Calf, calf. So calf, calf, yep. double calf. Yeah. Um, so we have all been to both T calf and Van calf in the recent past, which is why there was a break from episodes because we were all pretty busy with conventions. Uh, and now, having returned from those conventions, we all brought a stack of books, and we're going to spend a few minutes talking about each one and uh, look at each other's con halls. Yay! <laughs> sorry. Actually, that's really, that is a terrible phrase. I'm sorry. I also don't know how to use a cell phone, apparently. Okay. <laughs> I'll teach you how to use emojis later. We can have so. a thing going. It'll be great. <laughs> emojis. Like, so we first learns to do emojis, and it's so cute. It's so yeah, that's yeah. Okay, so how do we? Uh, how do you want to approach this? Uh, well, my suggestion was that we would take uh, about five minutes per book and just uh, talk about the book, maybe a little bit about the creator, like pass it around. The rest of us can look at it. Uh, obviously, we haven't all read all of these books because there hasn't been time to read five stacks of books, mm -hmm. but uh, you can at least get our, our first impressions of these. Does that sound okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, sure. Can we do round robin style? Uh, how do you mean? Like one book, one book, one book. Yeah, one. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many books were you supposed to bring? Because I'm looking at everyone else's stack, and I brought I like like four or five for each show, not oh. in total. Okay. What a keener. Well, I guess we'll have to see how our time goes. So I can eliminate some of these. Yeah, I think you're going to need to prioritize. I brought four total. 
I brought, Man, no. I, you, I misread the email. Then. Hunger I'm Games, sorry. some of them. Hunger yeah, I brought, I brought two. Oh, I brought two for each show, but I also was at Emerald City, so that was okay. six. Okay. Well, actually, did we want to talk a little bit about the, our experience of the shows first? I think that would sure. be good. I it like would be sure. good to set the context of the differences between these shows and the differences to Emerald City or other shows like that. Okay. Well, who wants to cover the basics for people who have no idea what any of what we're talking about is? Well, uh, I think I'm one of the few people that went to Emerald City, uh, other than maybe, well, Jonathan was there. Yeah, as well. I was right beside you, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I said one of the few. <laughs> Anyways, um, no, yes, you were there. I remember you were there. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, Emerald City is much closer in scale to the San Diego Comic Con these days. Um, and generally, spotlights a lot more mainstream works, but does also have a pretty respectable uh, artist alley presence with um, people that do have a lot of creator-owned properties as well. So if your only exposure to comic conventions is uh, Big Bang Theory, then Emerald City is going to be closest to what your concept of a convention is. Uh, I don't really (laughs) want to acknowledge the Big Bang Theory as a thing, but yes, fine. I will, I will, I will accept that. There are people when I <laughs> when I bring up the subject of comic conventions, that's always the thing. I mean, yeah, it, 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 Emerald City is like what your parents probably imagine a comic convention is when you tell them you're going to a comic convention. It's probably what people imagine TCAF is when I tell them I'm going to TCAF if they've never if they don't if they don't make comics themselves. And then, uh, in contrast, now there's TCAF. Yeah. So TCAF. As opposed to being like a large hall with people in, in costumes and lots of vendors selling t-shirts, uh, I would describe TCAF as a, a cross between a craft show and a book show. So if you can imagine, there's like rows of tables. They're set up in a library. It's free to attend, and everyone behind the table, mm, more or less, maybe 80-90% of the people attending uh, or exhibiting at the show are uh, independent creatives. They're bringing their own uh, either indie work or work that they've written and has been published or, you know, zines and minis, which we can describe. Yeah, and that's the main difference, is the focus of the show, but it's all comics. Yeah, absolutely. And then VanCaf is very similar to what you get out of TCAF. So, uh, I think um, for all of us, whether we are at Emerald City or at uh, TCAF or VanCaf, I think all of us were probably looking for something new and interesting, and I I have a feeling that most of us don't have uh, a lot of familiar intellectual property uh, in their their books. No, no Spider-Man, no Batman, (laughs) no Tintin. Yeah, so... No asterisks. So maybe, uh, should I start? Sure. Um, Okay, so I have a little zine here that I picked up at Emerald City, and it's When I Grow Up, by uh, an when artist. When you grow up. Sorry, when when you grow up. Oh Sorry. man, hecked up. Podcast canceled. Done. Sorry, oh. keep going. I'm sorry, it's okay. Record really from like... this point here, okay? <laughs> All right. I really want to know so, about this. It's cute. Okay, What's so happen? at Emerald City, I picked up this mini, When You Grow Up, and it's by Matt Crook, and it's a really charming little mini comic it's hand stitched which it's all these little signatures that are hand stitched which 
just because I'm like really into print, I really nerded out on the fact that this is like perfect, like perfect bound signatures with thread. Yeah, that's that's a that's a monumental effort for yeah, a mini of this of work, size. Yeah. It's only about like maybe yeah. three by three inches. Yeah, and I met Matt um, last Emerald City and bought some really beautiful uh, cat postcards, and this is just a really simple little story. It's, uh, I'm almost tempted to just read it out, but I'll, I'll just pass it around. But it's got almost kind of a Dr. Seuss, like the places you will go kind of feel. It's just really sweet. And it's the first thing that I pulled out of my pile and read. And I decided this is what I was going to bring in today because it was just like a very charming, uh, positive little book. It just, I actually kind of got a little emotional by the end of it. Um, it looks like it's made out of index cards. It might be. How clever. Oh, maybe they're just printed on index cards and he used that as his, as his lettering guide. Perfect. But it's really matte? Yeah, it's matte. Sorry. Apologies. It's super cute, though. It is really cute. I like it. And the, the hand-stitch registration is a really, really nice touch. Uh, I really like zines and how you can put so much of your personal energy and your look into it. What's interesting about zines, as opposed to these larger printed works, is that mass reproducibility is not necessarily a consideration. Sometimes you're only making 20 or, you know, maybe tops 100 of a zine, and uh, that allows you to do some really creative things in the production of it that you wouldn't consider otherwise. Man, this is adorable. You're right, it is drawn on index cards, and then she just, when she copied it, like, you can see. Oh, okay. Like, like when she was making the copies of it, you can see the little lines and everything. That's so clever. I'm frustrated, really <laughs> impressed by people who hand stitch stuff. It's like my favorite format for binding a book, but it takes so much time, and yeah. so much effort, and so much energy. Yeah, the the size is perfect. It's like so personal and precious. Like this is the perfect size for for a zine like this or for a mini like this. Looks pretty good. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. It was just a very very charming little scene that I thought it, to me is like it sums up why I like zines. It's just got this real direct connection that you feel between yourself and the artist and yeah it is that kind of like precious art object because it is uh, just this tiny little book that someone handmade so you imagine there's probably only like 50 in existence or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah I was, uh, I was really pleased to pick that up and I thought that uh, Emerald City it was surprising that that's where I picked that up. Um, yeah, this is unusual. Since the focus of the show is so mainstream, you don't find works like this quite often. Yeah, although I think Emerald City has been changing over the last few years. It feels more like a TCAF or a VanCAF than it used to in the past. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of the mm -hmm. the creators who exhibit there and the work that they're, they're bringing to the show. And the expectations of the audience, too, I think, are shifting. Mm -hmm. uh, feels like the independent scene that you would find at a TCAF or a VanCAF tends to be the, the vanguard, where they lead, the rest of the industry follows. And so Emerald City is kind of headed down that same path, they're just not quite as far down the path. I, I would also say that I think Seattle has a really long tradition of having independent artists. It has Fantagraphics and the Comics Journal published out of that city. And so I think that that makes the audience in Seattle slightly more receptive to um, non, I'm going to just say non-intellectual property characters. <laughs> and, uh, and definitely the people running that show 
have wanted to foster a positive environment for independent creators, um, which not all shows of that size do that. Um, so I think that it's it's admirable that they do, and and I, I hope that earlier didn't I, anyone if anyone who organized Emerald City is listening, like I think you guys do a great job, and I. I don't want to be slagging you for doing mainstream stuff because mainstream stuff needs to have a show too. Okay. Next. Angela. Am I next? Yes. Okay, yeah. so this is one of only two trades that I bought. Uh, I must confess that I mostly bought stickers. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I live in a tiny apartment and I've become very guarded against which trades I bring into my home. They, us they usually have to be signed. You know, they usually have to be uh, very precious to me. So... This is one trade that I picked up. It's by a woman named Alexis Sugden. I might have messed that up, and I apologize, Alexis. But I've met her a couple of times, and this is the first time that I've picked something up of hers. It's not her first work. So this is a work that was printed uh, in 2012, and she has since come out with a, another graphic novel, which I think I'll have to check out. But uh, in the pitch, the pitch of this one attracted me more, and I was like, I really like the aesthetic of this book. I really like the the story of it, uh, and so I picked it up, and I really enjoyed it. So this is a book, and it's about two sisters who live uh, in a lighthouse, and one sister decides that she's going to be responsible and independent and live her life in the lighthouse, and the other sister decides that she's going to run off and marry a sea captain <laughs> uh, and live an adventurous life in a different way. And she unfortunately disappears, and so the first sister sets off on a journey to try and find her missing sister, and it takes them through the ocean, and she's traveling with her mother and the ghost of her grandmother. So I really liked the focus of this story because it was about, you know, sisters and generations of women, and they had, you know, a mission. And so that's why I picked it up. But ultimately, I really enjoyed the flow of the story. I really liked the really bold black and white inking style. And there are some spreads in this book that are just really impactful and beautiful. Like uh, Ooh, there's obvious. this one with a kraken. And I really like this one earlier where uh, she dives into the ocean, and it's really beautiful. And so there's very limited and selected use of color mm -hmm. as well. So I was really impressed with this work, and I'm glad I picked it up. What's it called? It is called My Sister's Voice. I saw this earlier in the show, and I meant to go back and get it, and then I completely forgot to do it. So I'm glad that you got it, because now I can read it. Because <laughs> it does look like exactly the sort of stuff that I'm very, very much interested in, in terms of theme and story and setting and these inks are really 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 nice. I know. Mm -hmm. And for I'm not sure if it's her freshman work but given that in this book she's only 23 it very much well could be. Uh, and so she's continued to produce and I'm excited to see more of her stuff for nice. sure. Yeah I really like the, the limited palette. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy thing to do well but uh, when it's done well it's so impactful. I, I'd be curious the uh, expense of printing that because even those black and white pages might still have needed to be treated as like full color prints possibly uh, I'm not sure yeah I guess it couldn't be a spot color could it because it has some full color panels yeah so too. even even the black pages would probably be charged at the same rate as like a full color page basically might depend how good a relationship you have with your uh, <laughs> your printer whether you can do special deals to say, okay, there's only a few pages that have color, can I do the other ones black and white? Mm, but it's, well, it depends on if it was digital or offset, because if it was offset, they'd have to plan the signatures. You could do it digitally, too. You just take a lot of extra work to shuffle yeah. pages back together, yeah. which most printers wouldn't be willing to do. Yeah. 
We're such print nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not ask those questions. <laughs> Unfortunately, do not know. Uh, it but looks beautiful. It, yeah. it, I would be surprised if this was POD. Um, I mean, it, it looks really sharp. Like, the inks, because it has such a strong focus on black and white, those inks look very sharp to me. So, mm-hmm. if it is print-on-demand, it is very high quality. Mm-hmm. It looks like it could be, like, like a high-resolution uh, laser printer. It could be, like, a digital indigo or something. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <clears throat> doesn't matter. It looks great. <laughs> okay. Say, you're up next. All right, so I have to confess that I left my TCAP haul in Halifax. <sighs> Which dun, is very dun, disappointing, dun. which is very disappointing. However, I managed to collect, like, some books here that I thought were, like, I was thinking intelligently about my brand and what I <laughs> wanted to present in terms of what I'm interested in. So the first one I picked up was um, by Joymet Gill, which is a comic that I actually read a couple of years ago that she's got online. It's called Clear Quartz. And um, online, she has it. It's this wonderful story about uh, a transgender-slash-two-spirit person who goes into this cave and meets a separate but similar reflection of themselves in this two-spirit identity uh, person, and the person entity is two people sitting back to back, and their heads are like covered with flowers, and um, one of them is male presenting and one of them is female presenting, and then they have a conversation in this crystal cave, which is very much exactly everything I'm into. And then they kind of, at the very end, um, embrace their identity and themselves. And it's this really short, sweet story that Joanette's got online, and when she's got it online, it's animated. So as you click through, the text comes in, and there's things that are moving and everything. So when she said she was putting it into print, I went, I don't know if you can turn that into print, quietly to myself. (laughs) And then when I saw it there, it's this beautiful, beautiful little book that she's got my favorite part about it, actually, is the end, because it wasn't designed for print to start with. So she's got her name, but then, so that like, the pages don't quite work out, but she's got her name, and then when you flip it over, it's the same thing, but in reverse. <laughs> and I was like, that's so clever. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Is this just printed on the cover? I guess it is. I think so. It looks like a stamp, but I don't think she's stamped. Yeah, it's a no, really nice printed, book. I'm sure. Sounds yeah. like a really interesting story, too. Yeah. I really like the way that it's uh, full color, but the cover is just a solid stock it looks like which is an unusual choice and like i said these minis are the perfect venue for some unusual design choices which is what makes them so fun and personal exactly yeah for something that was done probably meant to be exclusively digital at the start it sure works as a print book yeah it translates like i said i was really skeptical if it would translate because the impact of the story was like in the slow reveal of it when you're reading it online as it animates but she made it work uh, in print beautifully. Mm-hmm. The color palette on this is really interesting. Yeah, the, the, there's a sort of a, a quietness to the panels. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I think, like, ha- not having seen the original, it feel, it's, like it seems like it has some of the mood that you're describing just in the way that the pages are drawn. I'd be curious to see the digital presentation and how it stacks up against the print presentation. Yeah, they're cool. They kind of reflect one another. It kind of mm. embodies the whole like two-spiritedness that she's got going on in the story. What else has uh, Jormet done? Uh, Jormet is currently the editor of the Power and Magic anthology, which is the queer women of color witch anthology that's coming out. Okay. Um, she's done a lot of other short comics like this. I don't know if she has a long-form comic running. Because um, I've seen her name around Twitter a bunch. Yeah, she's based in out of Portland, Oregon. Okay. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I, I do like this palette. It's, what's, what's interesting is that the... The cover is very a very saturated kind of radiant pink and then but the 
the whole inside of it, the whole palate choice is a more muted mauve. Yeah. And so to have something so loud on the outside and so quiet and meditative on the inside is, yeah, that's really vibrant. But you see the same kind of crystal motif reflected throughout. This is cool. I'd love to read this if I could. I love that cover. Yeah, the cover is really sharp. Cool. Okay. Uh, so the first book I've got here is by Y. Khan, who some of you know. She is formerly of Vancouver, originally from Edmonton. Uh, it's this little mini called Treat Yourself. <laughs> Why does these uh, minis that are super indie and like very small press, hand assembled, but also with a sort of a huge manga influence? So it's a really interesting combination, and she does some really great stuff. Uh, so this story is about an octopus who want, really wants to eat this cake that they see in um, a shop window, but doesn't have any money. And so the octopus decides to open a food stall and make some money that way to buy some cake. And the food stall is Tasty Octopus Balls. Oh, no. Uh, and as you can probably imagine, it so you soon discover that the secret ingredient is uh, the freshest ingredient is what the octopus describes it as, and then you see that the octopus is missing an arm. Oh, no. <laughs> Ooh, that got dark. Yeah, yeah, it gets dark fast. Uh, and so everyone is shocked and appalled, and then no one will buy the octopus balls. And so the octopus still has no money, and this, then it realizes, wait, I can eat this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh, so bleak. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> Poor octopus is down a job, down an arm, and down cake, but at least it can eat it. Yeah. Is that cannibalism? I feel like, yes, yes it is. <laughs> it's, it's just the perfect, uh, a perfect little story arc that takes you from, like, the height of cuteness to the depths of as dark a story as you can imagine, all in the space of a handful of pages. But it looks I, like it retains this cute style. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the last the last panel should just be the octopus with one tentacle left. Like, <laughs> oh. I can't stop. <laughs> uh, well, I has a really good sense of humor. Uh, like, she's done a lot of other comics that are basically doujinshi or, like, parodies of manga and uh, a lot of the manga I haven't actually read so I don't necessarily get the jokes but uh, when they are books that I've read then it's clear how clever a writer she is. Well this may be apocryphal but legend has it that Y has an entire print and assembly studio in the basement of her house. <laughs> like Different different types of stitching machines and cutting machines and printing machines, just so she can make all these amazing minis. If that's not true, we should establish that <laughs> as a rumor and spread that as far as possible. Listen, everyone needs a hobby. <laughs> I, just, I like the way the halftone dots uh, work here. I love halftone dots. Yeah, this is this is adorable. Yeah, I, I wish I had missed this. This is very classic. Uh, this is this is kind of a classic style of mini that I, when I think of a mini, this is what I think of, right? You know, it's got a uh, color paper cover, but it's black and white throughout, and it's it's just a really simple, quick way. Do you think this was a twenty four hour comic? Uh, I have no idea. It might be. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. Now that I told you, oh no, and there's a chicken at the end. Oh, I don't know if I can read this. Yeah. <laughs> it might be a twenty four hour comic with breaks in between for sleep. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
Maybe. Because it just it reminds me of uh, the, the idea of something that you just kind of take and run with it, right? And just see, well, let's see where this goes. It just gets darker and darker and darker. <laughs> On some level, it feels like the experience of being at a convention as an exhibitor. Aww, that you're yeah. putting yourself out there and people might not want what you have. And then you just don't have any money at the end. Oh well, I, I, I will say, John, that um, making your latest mini comic out of your left arm was a really bad plan. I think that really turned off a lot of the audience. Yes, I say that uh, in the context that both TCAF and VanCAF were fantastic for me, and I made more money than I've ever made in any show ever, uh, twice in a row. I made more money than I made a new record for uh, TCAF, and then. Same again for Bandcap after. Oh, well, congratulations. congratulations. So. you make such good comics, John. Uh, maybe. Oh, <laughs> They're made okay. of the freshest ingredients. <laughs> oh. oh. Whatever, okay, don't take that comment. Okay. <laughs> Secret ingredients in blood. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, who's... Okay, Kathleen. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so uh, at TCAF, um, I sort of, like philosophy behind what I was picking up was I was just picking up things that like visually were interesting to me. Um, I was looking for like new new art inspiration and things that are totally different from what I'd normally grab just for a change to like refresh and take in some new things. And uh, one, of, one of the things that I enjoyed at TCAF was getting to know some of the folks from Friendship Edition um, who are really lovely and uh, all making really interesting work. Uh, so the, the first little book here um, that I have is called Before the Snows Come, um, and it's by Kat Verhoeven. Um, oh. Yeah, and it's this beautiful little, um, I'm assuming, risograph book, and, and the co- cover's cool because it's, it's got this like angled cut, so it's, it's an interesting shape. And um, it's this sort of uh, collection of little comics. Most of them uh, sort of touching on bicycling, um, but it's really poetic, and I read it once, and I was like, this needs to sit with me for a little bit, and I need to read it again, because um, I felt like there was a lot going on. Um, it was very poetic and simple, but like went really deep, and clearly, a, like, actually, this is a book that I recommend for you, Jeff, because it touches so much on, like, city cycling. Um, You've got my, I'm, yeah. I've wrapped attention right now. This is, like, beautiful, just, like, blue risograph line work. That is very different. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is a beautiful book. And I met Kat at the after party at TCAF, and she was very charming, and uh, I was very sad that she wasn't coming to VanCAF this year. Uh, And now I'm even more sad because now I see that I didn't get a chance to buy her book. Yeah, I actually, um, because of this book, started reading um, her webcomic, Meat and Bone, and I'm uh, a chunk in, and it's very, very interesting. So definitely, like, an artist to check out if you aren't familiar with her work already. Mm, wow, this is gorgeous. Really good book design. You know, A+. plus. I mean, I know it's harder to do, but sometimes not printing in black really changes the feel of the art. Like, just the fact that this is blue on cream paper, it's the same as what we got from um, this one summer. You know, just a different colored ink on a different colored paper, it it just changes it. It adds, like, an extra level of affect to the work. Mm Mm-hmm. Even some of the spots where it seems like the ink uh, didn't quite, like, saturate 100%, it gives it, like, a little more of a charm, you know? This is really cool. 
I see this a lot now, but just this whole like cutting a corner off your front cover. It's a fun idea. I love this kind of stuff. Oh, this is beautiful. Yeah, the corner cut is really unique, but I think probably my favorite aspect of this is the the internal yeah. the internal end paper, if you can t talk about it that way. It looks like there's a full-color teal print on the inside with this beautiful pattern that just really invites you in. And it's funny because it's opposite this blank grid, and then every single page after conforms to the same grid, which is uh, an unusual uh, composition choice in comics. Uh, when you're laying out your pages, you have complete freedom, but keeping a completely uniform grid from page to page allows you to mm, explore the work in different ways, I guess. It allows it a certain pace. Uh, so I would love to read this if I could. It does look like yeah, a really absolutely. beautiful line. I definitely recommend it. My first exposure to Kat's work was um, last year at TCAP, or maybe two years ago at TCAP. She had um, this brand new book. It was it's like it's about three inches by three inches, called Tower Kind or Tower Kind, um, that she just collected. It, she had it originally as a bunch of like little tiny loose books, and then she assembled it into a larger but small book. And like the cover folds out really really long. But what I love the most about Kat's work is her. Um, inks and the way she draws figures and faces are so, her inks are so simple and so like crisp and her faces are so personalized but while be also being super super vague and like oh the way she does hair and stuff like this Oh wow! when she does long hair and she does these like really long um, definite lines she's so talented it's very stylized, it's yeah. sort of um, the, the panels and the characters almost become symbols but they still work as uh, storytelling yeah, the way she writes and draws is she's. I think she's like one of those unique creators in, especially like out of Toronto for sure. But like in Canada in general, I don't see anyone else working kind of in the theme and the style that she does. I'm super excited about everything she does. I want to read that too. So many interesting choices in the way to lay out the page, like leaving out gutters mm -hmm. and panels that are sometimes left empty or don't have very much in them. Even the way this this grid of panels is just uh, enclosed in a thick border. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. there's quite a bit of negative space around it on the page, whereas um, so many comics, like, the, the panels jut up against the, end of the end of the page. It's really, edge of the page, it's really interesting to see it, like, float there in that space. Yeah, I, um, it reminds me of a, a panel I was at with some uh, comic book artists, oh, it was ages ago, and one of them was talking about how they used to do all these experimental layouts, and then they started to read all these old comics and they thought there was a real charm in that simple like six panel grid and so they challenged themselves for an entire year to only draw things in a six panel grid <laughs> and they found that that was actually more challenging than doing experimental layouts because then it forced you to have to make it work within those six six boxes all the time and that clearly looks like it's pretty much pulled that off too uh-huh yeah uh, I guess it's back to me, hey? Yeah, round two. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, here, I, so the first one was a tiny little mini-comic. This, I thought I'd bring in something with a spine. Uh, this I picked up at TCAF. And uh, this is a comic book adaptation of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, the novel by Hunter S. Thompson. One of the most charming things uh, when I bought this book is that the person beside me was talking to the artist going, oh man, I love that movie. This is like based on the movie? And to which the artist said, well, there was, there was acts based on the book. The text is from the book. And he's like, there was a book first? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, 
This is uh, adapted by Troy Little, and uh, I actually have been following Troy Little's career since it started. I met him at my first independent comic convention, which was the Alternative Press Expo in San Francisco, and he had just printed the first volume of his series, uh, Kiroskuro, uh, which he unfortunately never finished, but he did do a trade paperback of the first volume. And he's a an artist based in, I believe, Hal- Halifax or... I think it's Halifax. And um, his wife uh, draws My Little Pony comics. And he was really surprised to be approached to do this adaptation. Um, So all the actual text and dialogue is directly from the book. And one of the things that's really notable about Troy's work is his lettering. So he does all hand lettering. And he actually trained with Dave Sim before Dave Sim went insane. He, he's very diplomatic in his discussions about Dave Sim, but uh, he definitely uh, learned a lot about lettering uh, during that period because I think it's still... I, I, reading this, it reminded me just how really fun expressive and expressive like hand lettering can be. And I like the way it contrasts with the typewriter uh, of, the, of the sort of non-dialogue moments. And he's got just a really fun, expressive, sort of stylist, stylized kind of approach. Um, and... Uh, Definitely was like a good sort of Coles Notes um, experience of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas because I haven't read the the book, so this sort of gave me a little deeper in, insights into the movie that I'd seen uh, and the book I've always been meaning to read. And yeah, it was it was uh, something I was really excited to pick up at the show because um, Troy hadn't done. He did another series called Angora Napkin, uh, which was more of a series for youth. But uh, this is something that when I, he announced it, I was really excited to pick up. And he doesn't, op- he doesn't really make it to the West Coast, so this is like my first opportunity to pick this book up. Oh, this is really cool. So I have not read the book or seen the movie. <laughs> so there's very little that I feel like I can comment on without having read this, but uh, it's a beautiful book. What's interesting to me is this. It's got a matte covered with a spot gloss. Ooh, but the spot, spot gloss. gloss does not conform to anything. It's like a splatter effect. Spot it's gloss. Nice. It's, it's bats. Oh, it's the bats. Okay. That he's seeing bats that aren't really there oh, in the beginning of the book. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. That's really clever. <laughs> See, now that's good use of spot gloss. I have yeah. opinions about spot gloss. <laughs> <laughs> of course you know, But I do really like the look at this. It's, a, it's cartoony in a way that... Uh, I think probably lends itself to the energy of the work that I've heard it has, uh, and a lot of you know mixing of fantasy and reality, and not really being sure what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. But the coloring looks really good as well. Oh yeah, I would read this. This is cool. Yeah. There's the bats in the back. The bats. The bats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is the typewriting? Is the typewriting hand lettered as well? I believe that's a font. Yeah, that would be. Um, <laughs> Bummer. No. That's fine, I guess. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. Oh man, this is cool though. What they've done with like the warping of the text during like a weird drunk oh. hallucination and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, and the poison the skulls are the O's are skulls. That's clever. I love. I'm a sucker for hand lettering. As someone who does it and gets told routinely not to do it, it's easier <laughs> to just use a font. Anytime someone uses hand lettering, I'm like super. No, no, I'm envious of people that can pull off hand lettering like this. Like this is why I've been hand lettering uh, Crossroads, just because I want to build up my lettering chops to a point where I can start to do stuff like that. Because I think I think it really benefits the 
the dialogue when you can play around with the word sizes like that. Like I think I, I just yeah, it's just so expressive. It makes makes me want to do more experimental things with lettering. Yeah, I'm also a fan of, of hand lettering and how it interacts with the art. Mm-hmm. It feels more like it's a part of the art. Mm-hmm. When you're composing sure. an entire page and you can compose your letters and bubbles with it, um, it definitely lends a certain cohesion to it. Yeah, that's certainly why I hand letter. Uh, well, one, I can't be bothered to learn how the computer works. <laughs> um, and two, uh, it just looks so jarring with, with my artwork to see computer letters. But yeah, this is really neat. Um, yeah, it's the the cartooning is what really stands out for me. Like these, the characters are so expressive, so fun, so um, uh, active. Like the, there's a lot of motion in every panel, a lot of expression. Yeah, I think that um, because Hunter S. Thompson's writings have been pretty heavily associated with Ralph Steadman's illustration work, I think it took That's a lot of... That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. I was trying to think of, this looks familiar. <clears throat> but see, I, I, I was going to say, I think it takes a lot of guts to do a comic book adaptation of this work because I think everyone's expecting to see Steadman drawings. Mm-hmm. And so he's definitely found his own approach it sort of it has a little bit of i think steadman nods here and there but yeah, yeah, he's yeah. definitely made his own thing out of it like the the lettering on the cover for example like the, it feels just enough like um steadman that it's familiar but it's still like clearly the work of a different artist all right um angela is next i'm next just give me a second i'm Kay. photographing i'm photographing all the books so that our listeners at home can go online and see them because I feel like it's such a visual experience that <laughs> to yeah. have a podcast about like sharing our impressions of these comics, it might be a bit thin. So, uh, Kathleen, Thank you for doing that. Yeah, no worries. Kathleen spoke a little bit about uh, her goals when she was searching for new work. Uh, I had a couple of goals as well. I just wanted to get exposure to new artists and new younger creators working in the field that I hadn't been introduced to before. Uh, and this is a zine that I picked up at uh, Van Calf. And it was, it was so cute. It was these three women sitting at one table at Van Calf, and I was talking to them for a little while. And they had this zine. It's called Friends and Food Stories. Their names are Jocelyn Chan, Roberta Chang, and Sylvia Chan. And they were telling me, they're like, oh, yeah, we came to Van Calf two years ago, and it just everyone looked like they were having so much fun, and it was cool. And so we decided to get together and make our own zine. And, oh, <laughs> and they, so were, cute. Now they were all sitting behind this table, and they were looking like they had a, such a great time. And so I've been exhibiting since 2008, and I was, like, bailing out of Van Cap because of brain problem reasons and just shopping. And I was like, oh, you're so young and optimistic. <laughs> 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 I'm 19 years old, and I've already wasted my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> but uh, so I had to pick this up. And so it's three short stories put together, full color, uh, and it's all themed around dim sum. Ooh. So they go out to dim sum mm. and they chat about these stories and then ultimately put together this uh, scene of three short stories. So one is about a little shrimp person who goes on an adventure. Uh, the second is about from the point of view of a community inside the hot pot. <laughs> and they're really worried that their life in the hot pot is coming to an end because broth keeps getting taken out of the hot pot. And they're like, when there's no more broth, this is going to be the end for us. And so they consult the old century egg for advice. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells them to rally together and... Uh, I, they, you know, they bring in all the bok choy because like nobody likes to eat the bok choy, so we'll just dump lots of bok choy in here, and that'll be fine. <laughs> and then the last story is about a container, so it's imagining 
all the containers that come in with your food in them, and it's like your destiny to be a container and to have food in you. And this one bull is like, I don't want any food in me. And they're like, you're crazy. That's the whole point. Uh, and so he goes on a journey and uh, ultimately meets up with the shrimp from the first story. Huh. And then he's like, I just, I just help people get from A to B, and I don't necessarily need to hold people with their food. Anyway, I thought it was really cute. And all three of them signed and made these little messages and inside, and I love it so much. <laughs> and so I cute. hope that they stay in comics forever and make lots of cute stories like this. <laughs> That's a really good idea for a theme for, a, for yeah. an anthology. Yeah, and actually, so is this the first of two books that I have in this theme, which is just two friends or multiple friends getting together and putting together a short work based on a certain theme. I really liked that in zine culture. You know, it's, it's something that you can do with your friend and just express an idea relatively efficiently. And it's an experience you can share with your friends. I really like the, the transitional pages between each of the story. There's this like little collage of all these little silhouetted characters. And then the character who's going to be the main character, like if this one's about the shrimp, <laughs> and the shrimp is in a darker tone, and then the bacon. That's really cute. I also like that it's bad. It's like held together with an elastic band. Yeah. That's so, like ridiculously cute and pure. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, again, you have all these uh, these elements, and the binding we saw from the very first work is a design element that you can use to express yourself. And this is just, again, it's very simple. Most wouldn't bind their work with a rubber band. <laughs> yeah, that's deeply charming. <laughs> oh, man. How nice colors, too. Read it. And these, these are local local artists. I, I assume so. They, they talk of Newtown features in here. Newtown, the... Uh, the dim sum place. Um, oh, okay. In Chinatown, where we went the other day. Like doing your first book in color seems ambitious. Uh, the amount of uh, polish to the work—it looks really yeah. good. Oh yeah, for a freshman work is really impressive to me. Yeah, I, my first comic was certainly not this polished. Yeah. No, I mean, I I just I will say that I found this Van Calf to be one of the most kind of like soul affirming comic conventions like it just so many young people were doing exciting things and just there was lots of excitement about just comics in general and the local comic scene and so many people are doing anthologies now yeah um, just a really positive atmosphere yeah so many people in vancouver who are making comics that i've never even met or heard of yeah i remember back in the olden days <laughs> uh like you could fit all the comicers in vancouver around one table for um the the comic jam uh once a month and everyone kind of knew each other and people didn't really necessarily cooperate and make projects together but you at least knew who your community was and now it's exploded into this great big community of artists mm -hmm. where, and there's just new people all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I said in the back that they're from Vancouver. So Jocelyn, uh, Roberta, Sylvia, come, come to Cloudscape. <laughs> we need your optimism and energy. <laughs> we're we're old. We are century eggs. Around. We are century eggs. We are definitely century eggs. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I agree. I think that we we put together. Well, I mean, uh, Shannon has put together this great conference called VanCaf, and to have it basically inspire work like this coming out within our community is just so. It's really inspiring and uplifting. Yeah, that's the, the best case scenario for a convention where it ins it not just promotes. The, the work of the people who are already there, but it creates new work. Like, new artists join the fold because of the convention. All right, that's me. Yeah, awesome. Right. 
My next one is, again, keeping with my brand. <laughs> um, it's called Desolation by Jade McGilvery. And um, actually, Jade came up to my table early on in the show and was like, hey, I really, I'm really excited to meet you. I made this comic, and I want to give you a copy. And from the cover, it's this creepy West Coast boat <laughs> with a creepy forest and a bunch of octopus tentacles emerging out of a tide pool. And so immediately, I was like, hey, this is cool. <laughs> and then the story is this really eerie, upsetting, viscerally weird, wonderful West Coast horror about this uh, woman who charters a uh, journey on a boat out of somewhere, out of Lund, B.C., and um, she's kind of slowly turning into a tide pool, like her arms all messed up and barnacles are coming out of it. And this creepy guy... Uh, who looks human but clearly isn't human, uh, takes her on his boat, and then they're kind of going through, and there's, like, huge salmon and big crabs, and then uh, the farther they travel, the more she transforms, and it's this surreal, wonderful, monstrous body horror story that then, in the end, she turns into... Like, it's just so creepy and cool. And um, so it it was the sort of thing that if she hadn't given it to me, I would have paid literally any money for this comic because it's just so in keeping with everything I like aesthetically and brand-wise. And, and, and like, the, the way she draws and the detail and the monsters and everything, it's awesome. It's so good. And I was so frustrated because when I uh, left, I was like, you know, where are you online? Where's your Twitter? We need to be very, very good friends. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I don't really use Twitter. I'm not really online very much. Oh, well, Jade is a regular attendee at Cloudscape meeting. She built our website. actually revamped our entire website for us. That's uh, get a Twitter. A, she's an we need amazing to be person. Currently, uh, she's roaming Europe. But the yeah. very first thing. So I. This was one of my selections. Also, it's like the, the dress we both wore to the, <laughs> to the podcast. But uh, and I did pay cash money for it. Thank you. Uh, but picking up this book, the first thing that crossed my mind is like, why isn't this in Bones of the Coast, the upcoming Cloudscape anthology? I have a fun anecdote about that. That was Jade's submission for Bones of the Coast. Um, And unfortunately, for a myriad of reasons, it was one of the ones that got cut. And, I mean, not like there's multiple... Just like we have a lot of different things we were trying to juggle. So we were juggling just the overall like effectiveness of the art and the story with all of our submissions. But we also were looking at not having too many of any one type. And um, I think in Jade's case, it was more like we had too many body horror stories <laughs> and too many mysterious people on boats, and we sort of had to just make a few cuts, and this was one of the ones that got cut. Well, this isn't it great that she went on and made it anyways, because it rocks. Yeah, like, this is one of the things about submissions for anthologies, especially if what you're submitting is a story rather than a finished comic, is... I always encourage people, like, if you haven't, if you didn't get into an anthology, just go make the story anyways. Because sometimes it turns out to be way better than it looked like it would have been beforehand. Uh, like, you can really surprise people like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, this, I also bought this book at Van Caff. Uh, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, so it wasn't in my pile today. But uh, look, flipping through it now, it looks even better than the last comic that I saw Jade do. I didn't actually get to pick this up at VanCaf, but I really want a copy. Um, one of my favorite things, and this is uh, 
like the ocean is sort of taking over the land and they're these strange amalgamation of like ocean creatures and land creatures um and like there's this one panel with these sort of whale horse beasts almost and it's they're huge and like the size of mountains and it's amazing like it's just so well drawn and so effective 10 out of 10. The way she messes around with monsters and scale in that is so inspiring. As someone who messes around with monsters and scale, I was like, whoa, this yeah. is how I wish I could do it. It's true. And the other thing that really struck me with it is how well it nailed the BC coastline aesthetic. So good. So it's uh, it's a very particular thing, and I think a little bit difficult to nail down. Uh, but it reads so clearly here, even though there is so much warping of the creatures in you know this part of the world. And yeah. Like you said, warping with scale, combining things together, but it still breeds very West Coast. Yeah, yeah. There's all of this stuff with like very specific breeds of anemones and like goose barnacles and stuff like that. That only if you've grown up here, you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, no, this this looks this looks great. And uh, Jade, I'm sorry we said no. Um, but I, good thing, I'm good thing really, you I'm really glad you finished this. I think this is great. My only criticism is that the color on the cover is so nice. Yeah. I want her to make more color comics. Yeah, no kidding. Because this mm. one is in black and white, and I think color could only make it better. That's yeah. true. Yeah. My favorite detail from this, I wonder if you spotted, at the beginning, the jacket is one creature. Yeah, and then, and then at the end, the, the jacket one. is the anemone. It's so oh. good. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey. laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh, my next comic here, is it my turn next? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. Uh, my next comic here is also from a Cloudscape regular. This is Ariana, Ariana Mao. Um, yeah, this is Ariana Mao's uh, Journey to Oz. Uh, she was describing this comic at Cloudscape a while ago, and it's such a good idea. The premise is brilliant, and I'm really glad that she finished this and made this. The idea is that it's uh, a combination of uh, The Wizard of Oz and The Journey to the West, which is oh a gosh. sort of a classical... Chinese novel. It's the novel that the Monkey King comes from. Most people have heard of the Monkey King, I think. Uh, I haven't read the entire book because it's huge. I got like a fifth of the way through it and gave up. But I know just enough to be able to see the references, and they're so good. She's basically matched up the Wizard of Oz characters with characters from Journey to the West and combined them. And the story works together too. And it's just a really short color comic here, but um, like the, the premise alone sells it. It's, it's really great. Uh, I'm excited that you picked this up. This was one of the books that was shown to me by one of my friends, and I went out specifically looking for it and could not track it back down to its table, <laughs> and I'm upset about it, so at least now I get a chance to look through it, because I, I agree the premise sounded really interesting. Yeah, I remember Ariana talking about this at meetings, and I've actually... Despite being at many meetings where she is at, I've never seen her work. Um, and it looks fantastic. She draws a good horse. Horses are not easy. <laughs> Horses are, are not worst, easy. But she draws a good one. <laughs> it's a good it's a good litmus test for your general skills as an artist, I feel. But just put down a horse, see how, see how it goes. This looks really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been doing a youth uh, program for people that aspiring uh, comic makers and Ariana's been one of the people that have been coming to that and she brought this out as like oh this is this little comic I kind of made on the side now I'm working on this other thing for this comics in the clouds um, and I just looked at this and I I mean I didn't say it but I, I thought like oh wow yeah you don't need this 
course, you can just make <laughs> comics. You're fine. <laughs> um, now she'll hear it. But um, I think, yeah, this was just great. And I was so happy that she managed to get this done. And and, out, and she got her table at Bancap. I think that's such an amazing little book. And I love the cover. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. There's such good gesture in this. With gesture and good action and really distinctive characters. Oh, it looks so fun. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good job, Ariana. Nice. I like how they're all color-coded. <laughs> kind of, like, follow it through. Faces and expressions are super good. I like these, like, I love picking up little minis at these casts because then it's, like, you know, $3, $4 or something, and you've got a whole ticket into someone's whole new library of work, whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Way yeah. better than a business card. Just pay three bucks. Super. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot more work to make than a business <laughs> card. But I guess that's how you sort of separate, like, the people who are committed to, to comics. Yes. There, there was one guy at Bancaf who was giving away little mini comics as his business card. I got a few of those at TCAF. People gave like they have little foldy business cards. Yeah, comics. I used to do that. Don't anymore, but I used to. Oh. It's a lot of work. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Pull flow. It's horrible. <laughs> what have you got for us, Kathleen? Um, okay, so I picked this one up at TCAF because it looks cool. Um, it's called Four Fables by Maël Dolivet. Uh, probably pronounced that wrong. Sorry. Um, I'm assuming they're French or French-Canadian, because it says, I mean, it's in English, but it says four of Jean de La Fontaine's fables. Um, so it's a collection of cut paper, comics, um, silent. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Um, but so it's beautiful. absolutely beautiful, just, like, collage um, and taking advantage of sort of the dimension that you get from um, cutting paper and, and arranging it in certain ways. And it's this beautiful limited palette of a bright, uh, red, a uh, muted orange, blue, gray, white, and black. And I just thought that it was so inspiring, and I haven't seen a lot of people working in this medium, in comics specifically, and I thought that I had to have it to look at and um, try and gain some inspiration from, because it's just absolutely gorgeous and, and visually so interesting. Yeah. I came by Mael's table as well, and I already bought a book from her, but then she showed me that after I bought this book, and I was so tapped out I couldn't justify buying another book, but I regretted immediately that I didn't get that book because she was showing me some of her process photos. So these are 3D things that she stages, so those drop shadows are real shadows. Well, yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's clear. It, I mean, sorry. It would be very well, difficult no, 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 to... Photographing it's, art it's is a, a skill unto itself, so that just makes the, the, the quality of the work that much more impressive. Just yeah. to get such uniform lighting mm-hmm. uh, over a work of this size, and to get the camera positioned just so... And to get these papers to to stick out the way you want them to stick out, like there's a lot of places where you have the bend of the tail there, and there's a few of the wing, and it's used to really careful effect. And I really like the way this looks. Yeah, setting up those shadows would be a challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. This reminds me of a book that I read recently. Uh, as you mentioned, like not a lot of people work in cut paper. The most common place I think you would find this is in illustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, picture books. Possibly graphic design, yeah. And there's a book I read recently called Picture This by Molly Bang. 
Uh, it's an older book, but it was recommended in one of my research holes that I fell into, and I found it, and I was like, great. Uh, but it, it describes this exact process of like using cut papers and limited palette and describes the process of choosing color and shape to communicate. And it reminds me so much of this work because that book was centered around uh, Little Red Riding Hood. And this has also has like wolves and lions and menace mm. and people. So very cool. Very cool find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, Is it it's entirely so without speech balloons? Yeah, it's silent. Wow. Cool. Um, so yeah, visually it's, it's very... Engaging. Is is it all right that she didn't do cut paper letters and the cut paper speech balloons? I guess I'll let it slide this one yeah. time. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> I want to know how long time each page takes, but I also don't want to know how long <laughs> each page takes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that, that way lies to yourself. <laughs> oh, God. And the, the paper has such a tooth to it as well. Like the background paper that she's using is almost, it's probably. It looks like it, it's intended for probably chalk or something. Like it has that tooth in it, mm-hmm. which oh, lends this beautiful texture to it. Yeah, it's taking full advantage of like the qualities of paper and how yeah. to manipulate it. Yeah. And still, really good comics. Like you would, no, you could imagine true. that a lot of illustrators who are good at making art might not be very good at laying out panels that communicate a story. But this looks like it nails the comic side too. And not only that, like the 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 paper. Characters, the paper creatures are very detailed, uh, considering that they're all cut out in paper craft. I mean, it's very, very laborious and meticulous. Uh, I'm a fan. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great find. Oh, it's sort of frustratingly good too. You know, like, look <laughs> at these trees. Yeah. It's so with the shadows and everything, this is so impressive. <laughs> We're mad. We're mad about this book. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm beyond impressed. That's really good. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a mini-comic that I got at VanCalf uh, called Sky Gods. And uh, it's by uh, Leda Zawacki. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, so she's originally a cartoonist from Portland, but now she has moved uh, moved to Minneapolis and uh, Minneapolis did, is the new Portland. Well, I was going to say, she moved to Minneapolis, and when she told me that, I was like, oh, well, do you know Blue Della Quante? And she was like, who? And I said, oh, I should introduce you. And then Sunday, Van, Van Calf, she was like, I Googled Blue, and I definitely need you to introduce me to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Blue was really excited to know there's more cartoonists in Minneapolis, so... It all worked out really well. Um, But yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Leda came to a lot of the different uh, mixer events, and clearly she like didn't know people very well. So I like wanted to try and make sure that she got to meet some new cartoonists, and I just really enjoyed her little mini comic. So it's actually inspired by a Pacific Northwest like native fairy tale. So it's got a real Pacific Northwest kind of feel to it, and the art has this really fun sort of stylization with this really loose, simple line art, and then these really beautiful watercolor washes on top. Yeah, I don't know, it just, it's got like this really nice kind of handmade feel to it, and again, it sort of just feels, to me, it feels like classic zine, because it's got the, like, one color paper with the one color image kind of cover, and then inside just a very short story and everything's got this really handmade sort of sort of feel to it and uh, I don't know I, was pl- I, I just sort of I just sort of bought it on a whim but it I was pleasantly surprised at how sort of 
Pacific Northwest it was as well. I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Yeah, um, th these watercolors are really beautiful. They're very soft and uh, they lend a really clear atmosphere to the work and it's, it's very unified throughout. Uh, so that's really nice to see. And though you're right that it has the very classic zine structure of, again, color cover, but it's, it's a little bit different in the way that the image on the cover is set onto one side and that's a very bold design statement. Uh, so oh, nice work. Very nice. Oh, I like how they do the animals with little faces. Huh. <laughs> the, bears, the bears are great. <laughs> yeah, the bear faces are really good. <laughs> yeah, there's like an ethereal simplicity to this yeah. on the artwork. Oh my gosh, this is really nice with the little otters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the line work, uh, like I didn't notice that from a, when Jeff was holding it from a distance, but the line work is really nice. I like the simplicity, like the super, super stylization of the human beings next to all these trees that like they've drawn every needle on every mm -hmm. tree. And, that's really, really cool. Oh, this is really nice. What a find. Cool. What's the uh, the story it's based on? Mount Shasta and the Grizzly Bears. Uh, told by, I'm going to say his name wrong, Joaquin Miller uh, from a book by, edited by Ella E. Clark. Pretty cool. Okay, so my second book in this series of, hey, let's get together and make a mini. Uh, so these, this one I picked up on at TCAF. It's titled Don't Talk to Me or I'll Set Myself on Fire. <laughs> and, relatable. Yes. Hashtag Relatable 2016. <laughs> <laughs> and it's by two women named Jane Mai and Anne Nguyen. So Jane was on a panel with me, uh, and I had never been introduced to her work before, but she was super funny and super friendly, and I feel like I made a little friend, like I went and bought her zine and she came with my book and it's like, oh, I met a new friend. But this uh, this zine is really adorable. It's, uh, it started to laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> really He's laughing at me. <laughs> Stop it, Sam. Don't make fun. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You're uh, in a safe space, Angela. <laughs> this zine was uh, presented as research for a larger work that they are doing collaboratively. So it's, a, it's an exploration of the Gothic Lolita aesthetic. Uh, and every page is an illustration either by Jane or Anne or collaboratively, like one is penciled, one is inked, and they both add their commentary on what this uh, motif in the Lolita genre means to them and what they think of when they see this type of work. And it's a, a pretty simple piece, but very well designed, I think. There's some interesting design choices, uh, a really interesting paper size. So I was looking at this before, and I'm and the very common kind of classic zine size has got to be eight and a half by 11 folded in half or cut into a quarter. And this to me looks like it's 11 by 14 and folded in half. I think so, so. yeah. It gives yeah. it a very storybook feel. The commentary on this, it's so, I'm, I'm so into this like fierce femme aesthetic of like, there's like a girl like who's beautiful with really long hair and flowers and she's got a piece of glass that she's cutting her face. Break me and I will make you bleed. I'm so, you can't talk to us, we're not listening. <laughs> I'm so, you showed me this at TCAF mm. and the title alone or I'll set myself on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. This is a good find. Yeah, this is another book that I bought at TCAF and haven't read yet. Uh, so it's nice to actually be able to flip through it now. Uh, and. Uh, it's interesting that it's either printed at actual size mm -hmm. or possibly even blown up, mm -hmm. which is like not what you normally do in comics. Normally you shrink everything down to make the, the art more perfect. But this is perfect the way it is. I like the sort of the, the chalkiness of the pencil lines. Yeah. Uh, like there's a lot of confidence in those lines. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't noticed that. 
Yeah, I'll need to borrow this, John. And <laughs> <laughs> another like half cover. Yeah, the cut cover, interesting and fun. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Next time I do like a mini, if I do a mini comic, I'm gonna have to do like a cut cover like this. This is great. It's really nicely done. Man, so many good books I missed. <laughs> we all got good books, and now we get to share. Yes, it's true. We're gonna tell the whole internet about them. <laughs> <laughs> all ten of our followers. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you just mean like my mom? <laughs> okay, your mom is only one of those followers. Hey, mm, you don't know that. <laughs> hey. Um, uh, you you know as well as everyone else that at Van Calf there was a trade waiters listener who came by and visited our tables oh. to say it's hello. Definitely not Kathleen's mom. Yeah. Can't prove that he wasn't paid by my mom. Though. <laughs> 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 Watch out for mom. At least at least your mom listens to this podcast. My mom's listened to like three episodes. Aww. Three whole episodes? Yeah. <laughs> oh and, then, and, then, and then she said, Jonathan, I'm not listening anymore <laughs> for these reasons. My, my mom is not a comic reader. She reads my comics, and that's it. She was comics just, only mother She was... <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I could Let me... Are you, okay, Angela, you're, you're okay with butterscotch, right? So butterscotch good. Okay? <laughs> I was... Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that to Toriel? <laughs> if, if we, we want to keep the mom audience, I think we need to be more like the Big Bang Theory guys. No. no <laughs> Let's not go down that road. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm like Hunger Games. So I want to talk about this one called Hotel Posi Positanos. It's by uh, Levi Hastings, who's a Seattle illustrator. And I'm so embarrassed because Levi Hastings did a fantastic cover for this book that I did called the Beyond Anthology, which just won a Lambda Award, so whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but Levi is a fantastic illustrator, and in previous conventions, he's put together books of illustrations, and he's done beautiful watercolors, and he's also done coloring books by like dinosaurs and monsters and people in the ocean. And he put together this Foldy comic for, uh, ostensibly, I think it was just for Van Calf. And so it's about, he travels, uh, I know that he travels, and so it's just this silent comic of a foldy comic that there's like the guy, and then he goes up the stairs, and then it's like lugging your suitcases, Whoa. and then you get to enjoy it at the end. And it's, it's A, I've never seen a foldy comic done in this format before, of the holding, folding it open. It's like um, a map. Horizontally, yeah, rather than vertically, it opens like a set of doors and stuff. And B... I'm so embarrassed, and I'm so sorry, Levi. I didn't know you could do comics. And so I was so blown away when he came, and he was like, look, I, I did a Foldy comic. And I was like, dude, you can do Foldy comics? You can do comics in general? I didn't know that. You need to do a comic for my book. And so he will be doing a comic for oh, the second Beyond Anthology, which mm. I'm very excited about. Um, Levi's work is just stunning, and I'm, I love the Foldy comic perhaps the most of any format of any comic that anybody could ever possibly create. And so to see people take it in a new way that I hadn't seen done before, I was just like, kiss my fingers, it's great. Yeah, yeah this is so, so perfect. Uh, like, it's so intuitive. You, you open it because, like, it's folded in a certain way, and so you, this is the only way to open it. And a story just kind of unfolds in front of you. Literally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Feels very much like traveling. When I could afford to travel, this is what <laughs> it felt like. <laughs> also, nice choice to print it on slightly off-white paper. Yeah, Such and like all of the, the the severe blacks, are so good. Yeah, 
What an innovative piece. What a guy. Yeah. Oh, this is great. This is uh, this is the kind of thing that uh, makes me excited about you know zine, zines and mini comics. It's like um, things like this aren't practical on a large scale, right? And things like this are these beautiful little these little hidden gems where you know if you if you pick it up you get this fun experience where you know you're not gonna be able to find like. You know, you're not often going to find a book that just is is so inter, inter, interactive like this. This is great. Scholastic isn't going to publish that. Yeah. No. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> I always get I get really stressed out about con going to comic shows. Like the more I ramp up and the more my books become, I have to get them printed at a printer and that sort of stuff. I feel like I have this very deep seated punk zine uh, roots. Right. Um, that's how I started getting into comics. So, though two weeks before leading into VanCaf or TCAF, I was like, I have to. I can't just have books. I have to do like these little things, and so I'm always excited to go back to that. Like to see people are still folding and cutting and making them at home off their printer. It's like yeah, I love exciting. this for so many reasons. Like you guys said, it's a very classic scene, but it's used, it's executed just so beautifully. Yeah, <laughs> the punch at the end of like I finally made it, and you have this, you're treated to this beautiful splash page, definitely, and like the reveal of it. Mm -hmm. is just so beautiful to me. And I've had a similar experience in Italy, so I feel a kinship with this. <laughs> oh, I have to... Yeah. OK. Uh, next book I've got is Agents of the Realm by Mildred Lewis. Uh, this is another artist that I've kind of seen around on the internet. A lot of other people have been talking about her and her comic. But I'm really bad at reading webcomics. So I usually just wait for the trade. Uh, and so when I finally got this, I'm like, wow, this is a really good book. I should probably read this, this webcomic. I don't know if I'll actually read the webcomic. I might just wait for the next trade. But I definitely <laughs> want to read more of this story. Yeah, wait, um, would you say you're a trade waiter? You might even say that. <laughs> <laughs> Mildred is one of those artists He's that I named the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a movie where you have to say the name of the movie. <laughs> where I follow her and wait for her to like make the thing so that I can pay money because I know it's going to be good and I know I'm going to like it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I backed the Kickstarter and I'm still waiting for that book, but I can't wait till it gets here, especially seeing it now. It looks fantastic and I've read a chunk of it um, online and it's so fun. Yeah, it's uh, basically a, a magical girl story, like inspired by the likes of Sailor Moon and that whole genre. Uh, but... It's different in the sense that it's set in probably a North American setting, uh, written by someone from North America, and just that extra added component makes it so interesting. I absolutely love this new genre of comics mm. that consists entirely of North Americans who grew up watching Sailor Moon and are now doing their own amazing versions of this genre. Uh, and this is definitely one of the one of the best examples of that, I think. She was on the panel with you, Spider. Yeah, she was on Queer Comics. Uh, yeah. I'm so upset about this because, like, I saw her on the panel and I'm like, that sounds amazing. I need to get that immediately. And I wrote down her table number. And for whatever reason, either I wrote it down wrong or I don't know what was happening. I kept going to the wrong table, and I'm like, she's still not there. And then by the time I finally found her, she was sold out. So I'm <laughs> really upset about it. But I have a card from her in my stack, and I, I kind of like you, John. I can't do web comics anymore. <laughs> Just, it's such despite a commitment that like keep up with it every. every yeah, week. I know. Despite making web comics, like yeah. I have have to wait and well, it's like, like we rewrite web yeah. comics. We spend all our time writing web comics. <laughs> we can't actually read web comics anymore. Yeah, 
This so there's, uh, I will say I did have a look at the website, and there's twice as much on the website as is in this book. So there's Do lots to read. They mm. I don't know. Mildred, if you're smart, put it on Comixology. Please. <laughs> <laughs> and I will pay you immediately. Beautiful. That looks great. Oh, beautiful. I love the style of this. It's it's not quite anime. It's not quite Western. It's something very unique. And it's oh, just got yeah. such a clean... And, and yet it looks like an animator's type of style, right? Mm -hmm. very like I can't clean, think of any other beautiful. artist whose work looks like this. Her coloring is really excellent, too. Um, like, every time she posts a piece, I'm like, oh, God, her sense of light is is just, like, exquisite. Oh, it's really nice. Mildred will also be in the Beyond 2 anthology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So I'm very familiar with Mildred and Mildred's work, um, and I love how she draws faces. Her expressions mm -hmm. are so, so good. Yeah. Her work is so great. Oh, this is really good. I'm really excited because I know she had some issues regarding getting books printed in time for TCAF and BandCAF. Yeah. Oh, so I'm excited that, okay. that she had... I didn't um, follow to the end of her dramatic adventure whether she would have books in time. Oh. So I'm excited that she had some that you could pick up because I know that that was causing strife. Good. So this Excellent. is like the opposite content-wise. Um, <laughs> it's called Sad Boy <laughs> Comics and Other Stories. Comics with an X by Mike Dawson, and um, Mike is a really sweet fellow, and I've followed his work for a very long time. Um, his old podcast, The Ink Panthers, is like my go-to podcast for so long, and it doesn't exist on the internet anymore, because all the files are broken or something, and it's so sad. But I think one thing that Mike and I both share is like a fondness for terrible, well, not but, well, you know, sad old man comics, of which there are way too many in the world, <laughs> and, um, like, grungy sort of, like, 90s, as it says, sad boy comics, so, like, um, it's set up, like, this little zine with a boy in his bed, um, surrounded by, like, garbage and used Kleenex, and the thought balloon says, comics don't have to only be about superheroes, they can be about anything! <laughs> And then the overlaid text <laughs> says, in this issue, loneliness, why don't girls like nice guys cross-hatching? <laughs> wow. I that sort of summarizes all of them. Yes. Patronus. I feel so fortunate in that I backed um, Mike's... Uh, last book uh, and his Kickstarter and I backed on the tier where you got like an original drawing and he sent me one that is a version of this cover and it's over my drawing desk and I look at every time I sit down to draw and I go oh, I love this so much <laughs> but um, Mike is like really excellent at inking um, and this is just like a goofy uh, zine that encapsulates the sad boy comics in the year 2000 <laughs> um, yeah it's just like about being it's just like everything where you're like, oh, I hate these boys. I hate them so much. <laughs> it's just like embracing that and making fun of it. Like there's a comic that says, Art does not apologize. <laughs> 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 My comics are about the human experience, warts and all. <laughs> maybe some of this stuff makes people uncomfortable, but maybe the truth shouldn't be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I like his little his little yes man. Yeah. No sir. <laughs> Sometimes it's the artist's job to force the world to look at that which it does not want to see. <laughs> what are these comics about? Uh, this one's an autobiome about like a bad breakup I had, and and this one's about like being into internet porn. I don't know. It's so hard to really describe them. <laughs> 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 so, that's so funny. It's like. <laughs> 
Uh, he posted a lot of these online, and I was like, this is the funniest thing ever. I love it so much. So when I was at TCAP, he, he gave me a copy, and I was like, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So that, that was my, like, this is hilarious. Um, pick up. It just, like, hits on a lot of ridiculous humor things that I enjoy. So I have wow. such a soft spot for comics like that, even though I'm like, oh, it's the worst. <laughs> Aw, this is great. I love it. I love it. Very meta. Yeah. It looks <laughs> fun. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that it it does a really good job of just Im- Im- embodying, like, a certain type of comic aesthetic, which, yeah, definitely, I'd say, circa mid-1990, you find <laughs> a lot of these on your independent comic shelf at your local comic purveyor. <laughs> oh, my gosh, this is so important. I'm kind of mad at you, Kathleen, because the entire time that I've been in Vancouver, you and I have been sharing a joke about gross boys, and like, the gross boys and the wood boys and all of these boys, and you didn't tell me that you had sad boy comic, like, in the wings to bring here. Uh, It was a special treat. This is a gift. (laughs) Try to keep something close to the best, okay? Yeah. (laughs) The dramatic reveal. Pwah! So good. Sad. Sad boy in first date. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're just going to read this comic at the the end Are we going around one more time? Yes, one more more book each Oh, okay, oh boy I brought too many comics, I hacked up There are too many good ones Figure it out Alright, well I, uh Yeah, this this is one that I really wanted to talk about Um, It's more of an art book But this is called Version 2 Which is the second Art book put out by Jake Wyatt. And why I wanted to talk about this was because we had already talked about Miss Marvel and Jake Wyatt's artwork in Miss Marvel. And at the time I feel like maybe I came off a little bit down on Jake Wyatt's art and people had said, "Oh, you've got to read Necropolis. You've got to look at what Jake Jake Wyatt's doing outside of Miss Marvel." And so I specifically made a point of coming by his table and talking to him and buying this book and yeah, he was a super nice guy. Um, I actually told him we covered his book in a podcast, so Jake, if you listened, I hope you liked it. Um, <laughs> and uh, mostly it's a, it's an art book, but it does have some pages Whoa, from Necropolis. Necropolis. And uh, I'm really excited for when he puts all of Necropolis together. Um, there's two Necropolis sections, and then otherwise it's just a lot of really, really beautiful sketches. And he's just a very deft illustrator that is capable of a lot of different styles and yeah i think he's just doing fantastic work beautiful i've been reading necropolis as it's been coming out on tumblr and uh same i'm excited about this work god it's so dynamic even some of these just simple sketches really really good sense of space and sense of gesture and there's better there's better of Cora, there's better. I saw a All the things I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeff showed me this book when he got it, and I was so upset that I missed my chance to get it. I think Jake sold out or something. Like, and I did, didn't end up with a copy of this book. Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> the cover's got this kind of craft feel to it. Yeah, the craft flipper sort of thing. Oh man, I 
I've seen a lot of this work on Tumblr, and I've always thought, that looks really good, and then not followed up on it. So I'm very excited to wor- learn that this person has a name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a person in everything. <laughs> he's not very good at the follow-through. I guess. Oh, oh, it's a uh, shadow cat. <laughs> good shadow cat. It's <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist focus on prioritizing. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't read Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> my friend, my friend. Oh, this is really good. I love, I love the colors. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what's that? I don't know what it is, but it's good. Nice. Oh, very good. Very exciting. Good. Wow. Well, very, very cool. Yeah. If this is like a an annual sketchbook, holy uh, crap. Well, I read. Uh, if you, I read the what in, He's got an yes. intro, which I read, and he actually said that this is probably going to be his last art book, okay. um, just because of the effort that went into it. Um, but I think he's hoping that the next book he has will be a printed copy of Necropolis. So oh, okay, that's, good luck with that's that, a good Jake. trade. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong, but I, I believe reading the intro, it sounded like he wasn't planning to do a version three. Okay. Version two of two. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is I will now never have a chance to own uh, a uh, Jake Wyatt sketchbook. You could borrow that. You could borrow that. <sighs> I guess. <laughs> My... Last book in my uh, calf series is my most treasured find. I think it has a very classic story in that uh, it's a book called Late Bloomer by Maria Domo, and it's comics and poetry. So my first introduction to Maria Domo's work was a little scene, uh, which was of a fan comic based on Pokemon called Letters to an Absent Father. That is the best doujinshi I have ever read. It, it is, is so good. I, I did a talk on doujinshi once. That was my like prized example. Like This is what doujinshi can accomplish. It is my favorite scene in my entire collection. And it basically, <laughs> from my perspective, Mari wrote a blank check. Or, or like, I've written a blank check to Mari. It's like, whatever you're coming out with, it's fine. So he wasn't even at TCAF. I just saw a random tweet. It's like, hey, you should pick up Mary's book. And I'm like, where? I need to find it. Well, I was like, I had someone like tell me instructions for how to find it. And I went, <laughs> and I got it, and now it's mine, and I have it. And it's this beautiful little book, and I think... Well, it's a sad boy comic, basically. It's <laughs> sad boy <laughs> comics. Uh, I think that... Uh, uh, Retrofit. Retrofit Press has been doing a bunch of indie kind of short works, and I feel it feels like they said, Mari, just give us 80 pages of whatever, and we'll print it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in the most sincere way, because like it starts out with these great uh, panels, and then by page 69, he's like, I made it to page 69, <laughs> at, at 64 <laughs> pages. And then it's it's sketchbook pages for a while. So, but it's really really fun. I love how expressive this work is, and it does feel like the poetic expression of comics. So, like he took a poem but expressed it as a comic, and so the letters are all woven throughout the piece. There's a lot of scratched out pages. There's a lot of smudging, and it's got really experimental layouts. It's got mixed media, and really just. just interesting and unusual layout choices that I've been... I've read it a few times now. It's a very quick read. But I I have adored every page of it, and I'm still uh, delving into it. But it's like, oh, this is my favorite page. And then it's like, no, this is my favorite page. <laughs> it's like, I just love all these spreads. It's super fun. I like when people put these together, and you can kind of feel that there's mega cropping going on, mm. and you're just getting parts and portions of it, which I think is like super true to the storytelling aesthetic in general. You never get the full, you know, what the artist intended or whatever. So when you can do kind of creative stuff like that, oh, there's a page that just says sad. It says I'm sad. Oh, my god! And he's trying to buy apples, but he's just too sad. Hashtag relatable, my friend. (laughs) Oh, very good. 
Oh, this is very good. I'm a little bit envious that you got this. Cause oh, I didn't know. I feel like the second I got that tweet, I like put my stuff down at my table, like marched downstairs, <laughs> fought through, like elbowed my way through the crowd to get to floor one to pick man. this book up. I got I got to read oh, this. Oh man, you really earned that book if you made I it through floor one. Floor one, man. It's zoo. Wow. I'm just going to sit here on podcast while we're recording and read this book. Is that okay? Uh, I mean, it doesn't make for riveting podcast. <laughs> Live your truth. I'd like to see it. Jeez. Well, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who is the next one? Oh, okay. Uh, okay, I'm going to talk about Twins by Kiku Hughes. Kiku is a Seattle-based uh, artist, illustrator, comic, or person. She just recently went full-time with comics. Congratulations, Kiku. Um, and I tabled next to her all weekend. She's She was also, um, she'll also be in Beyond, too. I'm talking about all my friends. And I tabled next to her at VanCamp all weekend, and she had huge stacks of zines, and I thought to myself confidently, I'll just pick up the, the end, and it'll be no big deal. I don't have to stress about it. And then by the time the end of the show rolled out, it rolled by, she, of course, had sold out of everything and had very few comics left, so I didn't get as much of her stuff as I wanted to get. But I did get Twins, which is a comic that she posted the first half of it on Tumblr, and then I was reading it today thinking that I knew the whole story, but there was a second part. <laughs> what? It was like, secret comic! Um, and it's about an android who passes as human, hmm. and they're reflecting on the privilege that they have in a very anti-android society, um, that they can pass as a human being, and they're also reminiscing on a relationship they had with a partner android who they were created along with simultaneously, who they've lost touch with. The other android has transcended having a, a physical form, and they are gone down two different paths, and so now they're just... Um, I, I believe the first android identifies as she, but uh, the android is reject, uh, reflecting on their relationships. Kiku does the most incredible... Lines and figures and forms, A, and then also tells these incredibly beautiful, achingly heartfelt stories in very, very short, simple. All she does is like little minis at the moment. Um, so I'm, and she's very young and early in comics, so I'm so excited to be kind of on the ground floor of Kiku Hughes because if this is her kind of debut level work, what she's going to be doing in five to ten years, I don't even know. It's, it <laughs> blows my mind. Yeah, she's one of my forever follows. Like, I'm so uh, interested to see where she goes and always delighted by what she puts out. Yeah, there's some, some beautiful panels in here. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous use of solid blacks yeah. in this comic. There's this one panel where these uh, two people are, like, laying a, a sheet on a bed, and it's like, I don't think it's possible to draw a better panel of two people laying a sheet on a bed. That's, that's perfect. Yeah, I've read... Uh, both this and the first story in the series, I picked yeah. this one up as well, and I, I agree 100%. It's striking how yeah. how polished this work is, and it's so hard to write short work. Yeah. And her short work is just so impactful. It brings you into a world. Uh, the other one that she did was Orbits, right? Yeah. Where it was about two people living on a space station. They calculate orbits for a trajectory, and it's a love story, and it's just so... Short and sweet and encapsulated. She Very does difficult. like she she does something that I don't understand, and so I respect immensely. Where she can do these so short, sweet, romantic, it, very human interactions, but then she also uh, last year she brought out a comic called Devour, which was about uh, capitalism and humans as we go out into space, and it was told through this kind of monstrous body horror story of this grotesque 
human-esque figure that literally is eating and devouring space stations and planets and stuff like that. And it's a commentary. So she does these like very simple human things and then these huge statement pieces and she pulls them off effortlessly, mm. but with a lot of effort. Like Obviously, she works incredibly hard and I am so excited to see what she does. Yeah, no, that's a really cool cool work. I mean, I love the use of gray with the black and white and um, it was interesting seeing that there was some computer lettering and some hand lettering sort of mixed up I'm assuming for like maybe aesthetic or tone of voice reasons, um, but yeah, it looked really nice. Okay, uh, next book I, I've got is one that I was hoping to get at TCAF, but I never got a chance. And then fortunately, I got it at uh, VanCAF. Uh, this is by Faith Erin Hicks, uh, "The Nameless City," which is her latest graphic novel. And I read this entire book. Like my plan was just to read part of it and then skim the rest because of time, but nope, I had to read the whole thing. <laughs> uh, it's easily my favorite uh, Faith Aaron Hicks comic so far, and I do really like her other books. Like This is just so good. The, the storytelling is good. The pacing, uh, there's just, I have to read this again just to try and figure out what's going on with the pacing because the pacing is so good. And then action sequences, action sequences are not an easy thing to do. Uh, it's um, sort of a, a fantasy story, I guess, set in a um, world inspired by Asia, uh, but the way that it's put together is really interesting, and the characters are really interesting, which is something you don't always get in fantasy, is character-driven stories. This is definitely a character-driven young adult story. and uh, But it has like really good world-building, too. I just I love everything about this comic. Yeah, Faith Aaron Hicks is like one of the cartoonist that I would consider very formative to myself, and I'm absolutely kicking myself that I didn't manage to pick this up at TCAF or VanCAF, because it was like the one thing I wanted to pick up, and then I hecked up and didn't, because <laughs> it was such such busy, packed weekends. Um, but yeah, each book she does is great, and they keep getting better and better and better, so I will have to steal this off you later. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, picked this up at um, Emerald City, but I didn't bring it because I knew Jonathan was going to. <laughs> Without asking him, I just knew Jonathan was going to bring this in. And yeah, I actually didn't get around to reading this yet um, because I, I had a feeling you were going to present it, so I, 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 saved, I saved my time to read some of the other books I brought in. But this uh, reminds me that I think this should be the next thing I read because this looks really good. Yeah, uh, I think it was Jordi Belair did the uh, colors on it, and they're phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They're really beautiful. Yeah. I, I also really appreciate mm-hmm. that it's the first book of a trilogy, but it's still a self-contained story. Oh, excellent. When you get to the end, mm-hmm. it feels like an ending. Like uh, That's a, something that I don't like about novels, and I kind of excuse it in comics because it's hard to get to the end of a story in the space of one graphic novel sometimes. But this... Like it checks all the boxes. It does everything I expect of a graphic novel. I just recommended this work to a friend today. <laughs> That's how much I loved it. And uh, remember how I told my story of I don't, I try not to buy trades anymore. So I bought this digitally, and I read it on the plane home from TCAF. And anyone who's been through TCAF, it's like I'm just gonna page through this a little bit and kind of skim it, see what it's like. Yeah, I read the whole thing. Uh, which on the plane after TCAF takes a lot of effort uh, and energy so it really draws you in it's really compelling work uh, and I'm so excited to see Faith having enough leverage finally to tell this magnitude of a story Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely the colors are freaking gorgeous 
that earth, like they're all <clears throat> super earth tones and very organic, and the whole thing flow like it flows really well with Faith's you know line work in general and her inks. It's really nice. Yeah, yeah, really like nice. a lot of um, uh, coloring in books will sometimes try to sort of overpower the inking. Yeah. This is just the right balance. Yeah, uh, Jordy Blair is doing a lot of work in comics right now, and uh, it's all really phenomenal work. Like, everything I see from her, I'm like, man, this is, like, mm. so good. Yeah, I, um, uh, there's a book we aren't going to get to talk about today that um, made me consider uh, the importance of coloring, because I've, I, I've seen bad coloring detract from a story too recently, and so, yeah, I think seeing some really good coloring, um, it, it really helps, um, you know, uh, it's I don't know with comics, it's all it all it all needs to work. But like, yeah, coloring really uh, can make or break a comic sometimes. And it's so hard. I yeah, it's like really easy to tell when it's going wrong, but you don't necessarily notice it when it's going right because mm. it's it's just works. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, I will finally talk about something that I picked up at VanCaf. I have a million comics I wish I could talk about, but um, we are running out of time. So, this comic is called Escargo Tarek by Johnny Erber, um, and it's got this beautiful purple cover um, with this snail and sort of surreal fantasy stuff going on, and it's about um, this person uh, who's kind of a, a thief uh, looking to get rid of some debt and through some unfortunate circumstances winds up dying? And ends up in this strange sort of purgatory afterlife. Uh, and it's just about this person sort of, like, coming to terms with where they are. And, like, uh, they're actually sort of being punished by the person who, like, lords over this purgatory because of things. Anyways, it, like, has this really, like, whimsical um, kind of, I would say, probably Mobius and... Brandon Graham inspired, if mm -hmm. I had to guess, yeah. two um, sources of inspiration. But um, I got sucked in really early on with just like the characters and like the emotional tone of the story, and found myself like really heartbroken when they died. <laughs> and it was just a really charming read, and uh, Johnny was just like a lovely individual uh, to chat with um, at Van Calf. and it's it's exquisite and uh, weighty and. Uh, just like a really nice use of spot col color on on the cover um, with the purple and the white paired together. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think we're going to have time to pass it around. No, okay. no one else gets to look at it. It was good. Let's, let's <laughs> just do shout outs. So, um, like, tell us okay. your name and where we can find you on the internet. Okay, um, so my name is Jeff Ellis, and uh, you can find me at jeff-ellis.ca. Oh, uh, I'm Kathleen Gross, and you can find my work at cagcomics.tumblr.com, which is K-A-G-C-O-M-I-X, and I just launched a new webcomic, which you can find at lunarmalities.com. I'm Jonathan Dalton, and I also have a new webcomic, uh, which you can find at phobos-comic.com. And I'm <clears throat> Stay Our Monster, and I have an old comic that you can find at eths-skin.com, eths-skin, or staymonster.tumblr.com. I'm Angela Mellick, and I have the oldest comic of them all uh, at wastedtalent.ca. And our next book will be Dykes to Watch Out For by... Alison Bechdel. Thank you. Okay. Thanks.
The Trade Waiters is presented by Cloudscape Comics. We'd like to thank the Vancouver Public Library for letting us record in their Inspiration Lab and Sleuth for the music. You can find us at www.cloudscapecomics.com or tradewaiters.tumblr.com.